Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. We're finding in the middle of Hebrews chapters 8, 9 and 10, there's a lot of references to the tabernacle, to worship, to the old covenant, to the new covenant. We're now in chapter 9, we're picking it up at verse 14, Colin, to understand what it is we need to learn from these verses today. Yes, we, we're contrasting the old covenant and the new covenant. And um, the writer is saying that the new covenant is so superior to the old that under the old, the law was codified in stone and in books, but now God has written his law on the hearts and minds of his people. And of course, under the new covenant, he puts his spirit into us to enable us uh, to fulfill his will and purpose. Um, now, in the temple, there was, to oversimplify it really, there was the outer court, there was the holy place, uh, and then there was the holy of holies. Now, the holy of holies signified the dwelling place of God with man, of God among his people. And that was such a sacred place that only the high priest could enter it, and he could only do so once a year on the Day of Atonement uh, to pray for his own sins and and for the forgiveness for the whole nation. Now... Uh, Jesus is the great high priest we've seen after the order of Melchizedek, greater than the uh, order of high priests under the old covenant. Uh, and God has established this new covenant through Jesus. And what he has done is he's opened up this holy of holies now to all who believe. We saw yesterday that that upon every believer, everybody who is part of the new covenant, God will write his law on their minds and on their hearts. They will all know the Lord. They will all have a personal relationship. They won't need a Moses uh, to give them the law or to be an intermediary between God and themselves. They will all have this personal relationship with him. Therefore, they will all have personal access right into this holy of holies. Now, we saw this earlier when the um, writer was encouraging us to come with faith, with confidence, you know, as a result of this rest of faith right before the throne of grace, and there we will find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And, <coughs> excuse me, what, um, what Jesus is, uh, sorry, what the writer is saying here in verse 14 is in contrasting this new with the old. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Now, what he's saying is, you see, that Christ has entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood. But what he has, if, if we can use this kind of language, what he has done is he's carried all those who believe in him into that holy of place, into that holy of holies. It's as if he's, he's carried, you, you remember that now we are to abide in him and he in us. So, it's great to think that Jesus is your high priest in heaven, 
interceding for you with his blood. But you see, you are in him and he is in you. You are in the high priest. So as the high priest entered into the Holy of Holies with his sacrifice, so you enter in with him. Now that means the way is clear for you to come and meet with God and to know God in his holiness. And that's so important, Julia, because you see, when we're in heaven, what we see from the book of Revelation is that we would be joining with the whole host of heaven in worshiping God in his holiness. Those who surround his throne day and night are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Day and night, they never stop saying that God is holy. God is, is perfect, he's whole, he's complete, he is above and beyond all that he has made. And the great thing is that although, you know, we can look at ourselves and we can see so many unholy things about the way we think, the way we speak, sometimes the way we act, yet because of that blood, yet because Jesus is our high priest, he carries us right into the holiness of God. He takes us as we enter that rest of faith. He takes us right before the throne and, and there we can find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Well, what it means, uh, Julia, is that we have this total access, this perfect access right into the presence of God. Now, you know, I hear so many Christians saying, well, it's wonderful to know that God is with us. Yes, of course it is. He is with us always, even to the end of time. He's promised that. It's wonderful to know that, that, that Christ is in us by the power of the Spirit. Yes, he has given us the Spirit, so the secret is this Christ in you, the hope of glory. But, you know, it's just as wonderful to realize that you are in Christ and that you are in the one who has risen. You are in the one who has ascended. You are in the one who is glorified. You are the one who is now in the Holy of Holies in heaven you have the access to that place and you know when we pray and when we worship I believe with all my heart that God wants to sort of lift us into those heavenly places that we want to be in that place that transcends whatever is happening now in our earthly experience and, and the importance of that is that then we get an entirely different perspective on the things that are happening in our lives right now instead of seeing the problems instead of sort of sitting at the foot of the mountain and seeing how great and immovable the difficulties seem to be it's as as if we're raised above the problems, uh, as if we can look down. You know, when you look down on a mountain, it looks very different than when you, you know, if you're in an aircraft looking down, than when you're standing at the foot of the same mountain. It seems so small and insignificant when you're airborne, but it seems so mighty and immovable when you're on the ground. And I believe God wants to sort of take us into higher places and give us his heavenly perspective on things. To, so we see this, this is not an impossible situation. For God, nothing is impossible. And for those who believe in him, nothing will prove impossible, that, that all things are possible for he who believes in God. And, and you know, it it's just takes us into an entirely different dimension. And we realize that we Christians are, are, not, are not called just to, to try to, to sort of work out some way in which we can live uh, to obey a whole lot of religious rules and regulations. But God wants us to be the people of faith, the people who know him, the people who encounter him, the people who meet with him, the people that are living in the supernatural power of God that is able to transform our natural circumstances. Oh, I, I just get so carried away with this because it's so wonderful. It's interesting that the writer to the Hebrews used the word ransom, that we have been ransomed by Jesus. 
that very much gives the impression that there's just nothing we could do to save ourselves. No, he has purchased men for God. Uh, that's a phrase that is used in the book of Revelation, that, that uh, he has literally um, paid the blood price for us with his own blood in order that now we might belong to God. But you know, that ought to give us such confidence. We ought to think, yes, I'm a son of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a co-heir with Christ. Yes, the scripture says that God already sees me seated in heavenly places because the high priest has borne me. He's carried me into the heavenly places. This is where I belong. As Paul says, my citizenship is now in heaven. Yes, I have to live here on earth, but my citizenship is in heaven. I belong to the kingdom of heaven. I belong to the kingdom of God. And, and the rule and the reign of God can therefore be expressed in my life and, and in the life of every believer. It is just such wonderful good news. And, and you know, when, when you look at the sort of the formal church life that so many people think is the Christian life, it, it, it's just it's so sad, really, to me, because it's so much less than the greatness of, of what the Scriptures are speaking about. And this is a great epistle because it, it, it doesn't tell us about what will be in the future, but it's speaking about what is ours now because of what Christ has already done for us. At the end of this chapter 9, it talks about Jesus coming a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So how should those of us who understand that we have been ransomed, that we do believe what uh, what it says here, how do we view this second coming, this judgment? Well, we, we live between the two comings of Jesus. This is something you see that that uh, the Jews did not understand from the Old Testament scriptures. They thought there would be just one coming of the Messiah, and that would be in great triumph and glory and majesty and splendor. And so when Jesus came as the suffering servant, um, they couldn't accept him as their Messiah. But of course, the Old Testament scriptures are very clear, talks about him in both as the king of glory and as the suffering servant. And what was not perceived clearly was that there would be these two comings. The first coming was so that Jesus would establish through the cross, through his work as high priest, this ability for us to know God, for us to serve him faithfully and obediently, to love him with all of our hearts, minds, and, and, and to fulfill his, his purpose for our lives because we belong to the new covenant, because he had given us access into heavenly places, because he had come to live within us by the power of the Holy Spirit. So now we live in this time or in this rest of faith in this sabbath rest of god where people can come into relationship with him by faith they can know their sins are forgiven they know that they're totally acceptable by god uh, they they know that they can receive the life of the kingdom here on earth that they can begin to live that life they can begin to witness to others about that life so that more and more may accept jesus become part of god's kingdom so that when he comes again in judgment at the end of time and to establish the new heaven and the new earth uh, there will be many, many who will welcome him and receive him and many who will come back with him because they have become believers. Uh, those who have embraced Jesus, those who have become part of the new covenant, uh, there will be a great host of people to inhabit this new heaven and this new earth. So there will be those that are welcoming, longing for, praying for this, this time when Jesus will come again. But at the same time, the scriptures also reveal this is going to be an awesome time because it will be a time of judgment for all those who have rejected Jesus, who have rejected the gospel, who have not availed themselves of the opportunity to receive the salvation that God has made available through his son. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 